Welcome to the Cup and Saucy Book Club. I'm Jen. And I'm Zanna. What's in your cup today, Zanna? Well, you know, today I'm drinking my chai blend. Which is delicious. The Cup and Saucy chai blend that I created with Apothecary Tea Service here in South Carolina. And how about you? Today I am drinking a very traditional Chinese breakfast blend. This is from Numi Teas here in the Bay Area. I just needed something traditional today to talk about a more traditional topic. And that is tropes, subgenres, and plot devices. Dun, oh dun, my. dun. <laughs> <laughs> so with every... Uh, type of literature with every genre of of literature there are tropes that exist and some of them are generic to all genres some of them are more specific to whatever genre you're talking about so if if you have say a mystery you know there's going to be a detective there will be the denouement where they get every all the suspects together in a room and say you know in the in accuse and do all of that Mm -hmm. Uh, those specifics are plot devices Mm -hmm. tropes would be within if we're still talking about mystery tropes would be the butler did it or a crime of passion or you know something along along that line what separates a trope from a plot device is the trope is a framework in which you can move around and and you have room but you have structure to start with but the plot device is something that a writer will use as a sort of a shortcut sometimes sometimes that's that's used pejoratively but other times it's not so it, you know the the plot device will be it allows the reader to because they're familiar with the plot devices, it allows the reader to sort of catch up in a way that doesn't have to be yes. overexplained. Yes, yeah. exactly. And then, of course, the sub the subgenres. So, if we're talking about mystery, the subgenre of mystery would be a cozy mystery. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's set in uh, an otherwise quiet, idyllic setting. Murder in the Cotswolds, or you know, some mystery happens in a tea shop, or you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And those are cozy mysteries. Agatha Christie is the queen of the co- cozy mysteries. Uh, yeah, she she's yeah. Uh, she's uh, the big uh, the big mama in the in the cozy mysteries. And cozy mysteries have seen a resurgence in the last decade or two. Yep. Within romance, there's a lot, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of all of these actually, and some of them cross over from genre to genre. You know, certain tropes, particularly will cross over plot devices definitely but subgenres are are particular to their to their genre in the case of romances uh so for our listeners some of this is my educating xana on what these particular things are some of them are things that we're just going to talk about that are yeah you know everybody knows you know i'm i'm familiar to uh, to an extent through my you know my background is in mystery and that kind of thing. And so I'm familiar with those type of subgenres and those type of tropes and those type of, of plot devices. But um, with romance, I'm, I'm trying to discover them. So 
And this is by no means a comprehensive list. So I will state on the outset that if I have forgotten one of your favorites, please let us know. Yeah, let us know. Let's talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. But otherwise, I will apologize ahead of time if I have forgotten something that's one of your favorites. Now, for the subgenres, this is, to me anyway, this is what separates a romance genre from other fiction. So if it's within this subgenre, then that is what makes it a romance. If it doesn't fit within this uh, within these subgenres, then it's some other type of fiction. So an example of what I mean by this is a contemporary romance. We'll start with that. Now, contemporary is a subgenre, but if it's a contemporary romance that doesn't have a happily ever after, that is fiction. That is not romance. Romance starts with the premise of a happily ever after. Now, it may not happen within that book, meaning that you've got a series, but it does resolve by the end of the series. So we'll take the example of the Ravenhood trilogy by Kate Stewart. Which I've uh, now read the first book. Which she has now read the first book. Uh, we will not be it, reviewing on the show because no. there are three books. However, we we may. I would say this at this in, point, it doesn't fall into the romance category. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, so having only read the first book, and for those who have survived uh, the Ravenhood trilogy, uh, you know that that the first book does not doesn't it ends on a mini ish cliffhanger, right? And it's not a big one, but it is, but it is definitely not resolved at the end mm -hmm. of the book. Now, by the end of the finish line, which is the third book in the trilogy, things are resolved. Okay. And you have your happily ever after at that point. It, so that means that it's also not resolved in the second book. Which yeah, is you've Exodus. warned me about the second book. And uh, no spoilers for anybody who hasn't read it, but if you know, you know. That's all, <laughs> that's all I'll say about the Ravenhood trilogy. If you know, you know. Coming back to it, Within that trilogy, there is a happily ever after at the, at the end of the final book. And that is what makes this a romance. If it does not have a happily ever after, or it has an amicable parting of the ways, you know, they had a love story, but there's an amicable parting of the ways at the end of the book. That's fiction. That See, is not I still maintain. I still maintain that, that romance only exists as a genre basically because that's they end it at the happily ever after if they exactly. if they go a little bit farther then it becomes something else usually a tragedy so <laughs> exactly you have to decide where the end is but that could be said in any well we'll go back to the mystery genre for example yeah i mean you know you're you yes the the story ends when the case is solved mm -hmm. you know in the case of detective novel the story ends when the case is solved, but that's not the last case that that detective is ever going to do. There's right. this, you know, what happens to, you know, what happens to the, the, the people who did the crime. Maybe they escape from right. prison or, you know, something else. And there's a whole lot of story that happens in, in crime before the, the case actually 
right. hits the page. Really, you could take the same story and run it through a lot of different genres <laughs> just by, you know, ending it at different points. So it started as a romance, and then it ended up a mystery, and then it ended up a story of redemption. <laughs> Which, you know, that all of that is, but that's what makes a story a story you know a novel yeah, I a novel agree I agree is, is it has a beginning it has an end right the and the difference between those things and what is, makes it different from real life but still reflective of real life and I think yeah. too that the difference between genres is where you end the story mm-hmm. where you start the story and where you end the story right exactly in the case of romance it ends at happily ever after right and that is the promise that every romance author makes to their readers. It is understood. If you do not have that happily ever after, it is some other kind of fiction. And so, which is fine. And absolutely, those stories need to be told too. Oh, for sure. But please don't call it romance, because it is not. But within the category of romance, where you have a happily ever after, and... By Happily Ever After 2, I need to clarify that we're talking about Happily Ever After between the main characters. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that is the part that's understood. There may be unresolved items for other characters, or there may be unresolved parts of a, a main character's life. They have lost a relationship with a parent, let's say, and that's still unresolved at the end of the book. Sure. But they still end up with their one true, you know, their their soulmate or whatever. That's still the happily ever after, mm-hmm. even though that part of it has not been resolved. The happily ever after is what happens between the main characters at the end. The So the subgenres within this are what are the worlds that they are set in so you have contemporary mm-hmm. you have rom-com and the difference between contemporary and rom-com is this has been and this has been discussed a lot recently on book talk is that a rom-com can be contemporary but not all contemporaries are rom-coms mm-hmm you ha- contemporary means just that it is like all squares set- are rectangles but not all rectangles are squares exactly yeah. so you have a contemporary just means that it's set in the present time you know or the time that the book was written that's a contemporary a rom-com is the situation comedy of romance it is you know generally funny dialogue funny situations there may be there may be elements of drama within it but it's a romantic comedy out of wild curiosity are there any historical rom-coms oh yeah there's several okay i mean pride and prejudice is is right yeah it is historical rom-com yeah true although although jane austen would have said it's a contemporary um, because well, yeah, was, she, she was writing it. in the, her yeah, she was, <laughs> well, she was writing it in the time of her right, right. But like an author looking, at, you know, back at an era that they're writing in, yes. but making it a yes. romantic comedy. I see. I would, you know, this might be controversial, but I would, I would uh, put Bridgerton up, the Bridgerton series. 
okay. up as as romantic comedy of uh, historical romantic comedy. Okay, and historical is its own genre, of course, mm-hmm. or subgenre, and that is one of the larger subgenres because you have all points in time, right? That that could be set in, right? And so, historical is anything that's older than contemporary. It, yeah, is older than contemporary. <laughs> Meaning that it's older than hmm. the modern reader. That can vary wildly, you know. <laughs> yeah, that can vary wildly. However, you know, just like with clothes, where clothes are considered, you know, where where you have retro versus vintage, uh-huh. I would say that anything set 20 years before the present day goes into historical. Okay. Because you are then talking about a specific uh, a specific period of time that has already passed. The history has been written on it. But it's also every other time period before that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the most popular in the genre is the Outlander series. That's far and away the most popular historical romance that there mm-hmm. is. Yes, it's got, you know, time travel. And yes, it's also several other subgenres but it is definitely it is definitely a historical because of the number of time periods that they go through right and also with outlander they actually do pretty much the happily ever after at the end of each one Mm. I, i mean i've only read the first one so i'm so this is an assumption on my part but the outlander series is the is the first thing that most people think of as far as or the most popular right now. Sure. The other subgenres there's the there's paranormal, mm-hmm. vampires and creatures and shapeshifters and witches who actually have magical powers as opposed to people who follow the Wicca religion. Mm-hmm. All of those things are considered paranormal. There's several series within that. All the subgenres can cross over. They can cross over, the tropes can cross over plot devices can cross over so there's the paranormal and then subgenres i guess within subgenres so within contemporary let's talk about mafia romances and billionaire romances and motorcycle clubs which the dark romances this is all with uh, most of these are within contemporary mm-hmm. because they're set in the present day but they have their own specific audience for these and dark romances which i've been exploring a lot more lately mm-hmm. most of the genres that i have read up to within the last year or two have been rom-com some historical some paranormal mostly contemporary sticking within those lanes pretty much but i have also now been exploring mm-hmm. the genres of the motorcycle clubs, the MCs is what they're called. Mafia romances, dark romances that are not mafia or motorcycle club because those tend to be dark romances. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Lovely Bad Things, which is the main character is not a good guy. Okay. He starts out being being convicted and sent to a an asylum for the criminally insane for potentially being a serial killer. Oh. That's the main that's the male main character. And the and the female main character Fun. is is a criminologist. So oh, okay, this is lovely bad things by Trisha Wolf and lovely violent things, which is out in 
book form, but is uh, being the audiobook will be coming sometime this year. That's a really, a really dark one. <laughs> it sounds like it for sure with that kind of premise to it. Yeah. And the thing with those is that you could pick up those books in the store and you would not necessarily know from the cover what, what you were looking at, that okay. you were looking at a romance novel. You know, it looks like Lovely Bad Things, for example, looks like it could be horror. It mm -hmm. looks like it could be a psychological thriller, mm -hmm. which actually it's it's also that too. I mean, it's okay. a romance, but it's also a psychological thriller. And it's a criminal procedural. Trisha Wolf really did her research. I mean, mm -hmm. she's... It, you know it's very well written even if even if the subject matter makes makes me really uncomfortable <laughs> right my goals for reading this year were to get out of my comfort zones well that sounds like that's well out of your comfort zone oh so. it's well out of my comfort zone well that <laughs> for listeners i started this year reading the raven hood trilogy by kate stewart so i was full on into starting out of my comfort zone like 10 miles down the road from my comfort zone. <laughs> so I have had my eyes opened and new worlds opened to me. So those dark romances, that's also a subgenre. There's so many others that, that I haven't, I haven't covered, but the tropes, the tropes are tropetastic. Uh, for tropes for romance, I consider this what gets you from looking at the back cover of a book to actually purchasing. What gets you from blurb to buy is the trope. Okay. The trope is when you can recognize what tropes are in a particular book and that those are tropes that you like to read, then that's mm -hmm. what gets you from blurb to buy. Okay. There is a list, and I will put this on the show notes, from Evie Alexander, who is a, a British author of what she calls sexy romantic comedies. Okay. It, but this is from this is from her page, and we will reference this in the show notes. It's 150 romance novel tropes. Now we will not go through 150 because we only have. Yeah, we don't. No, nobody's got time for that. <laughs> but we will cover the most popular ones. I will also talk about some of the ones that are my favorites, and some of the ones that that I avoid. You know, that go from blurb to well, let me put this back down because this does not interest me. Tropes are not within a trope. Mm -hmm. You might have trigger warnings. Mm -hmm. And trigger warnings are worth your time to open the book, to look at the author's note at the beginning, to find out if those triggers are going to, you know, are going to be your triggers. Right. And to, and then to not read that book. There is a book that has been recommended to me time and time and time and time again that I have not yet read and I'm not sure I'm ready to read. Mm -hmm. Although I am sure that the book is brilliant. I know that the, uh, I know just from who it is that the audiobook performances are brilliant. It's Maxine Mitchell and Joe Arden and it's uh, Sacrifice by Adrienne Locke, but it does involve Somewhere in the book, it involves the death of a child. Oh, yeah. That's a really tough one for me to get past. So sure. that's, you know, so I just won't read that book. Mm -hmm. But for those who that does not trigger things for them, then then yes, by all means, please enjoy it. Please, I'm, I'm sure that this is 
that this is an excellent book. It's just not the one for me. Mm-hmm. However, there's other ones that involve, you know, trigger warnings of things like uh, domestic violence, drug abuse, human trafficking, called the City Duet. There was Little Bird and Twisted King, and it was a very violent mafia romance that involved human trafficking and involved mm. abuse by a, a parents. There were a lot of there were a lot of things that people that I read with or you know do group listens or buddy reads or anything that there were some that that didn't want to do it because of those trigger warnings and mm-hmm. those are that's all legitimate and valid yeah. and totally you know, legit. You take care of you, whatever it, you know. There is no book that needs to be read so much that it will do you some sort of damage or harm. Mm-hmm. Every author. Every narrator, every publisher will tell you the same thing. You know, so trigger warnings are important for the authors uh, to show the trigger warnings, to to warn you ahead of time. Mm-hmm. It's important for you as the reader to look at them and make sure that you are not, that you know, you're entering at your own risk. It is the best buyer beware sticker <laughs> that there is. Right. Particularly as you get into certain tropes, there's much more of a likelihood of of those uh, trigger warnings happening. So we'll take a, we'll take a, a trope like enemies to lovers. Mm-hmm. If you are triggered by bullying, mm-hmm. enemies to lovers is a potential trope that might have that trigger warning. That would make sense. Yeah. But the tropes, there are lots of them. Mm-hmm. I will just go through some of my favorites. So there's there is friends to lovers, mm-hmm. enemies to lovers, forbidden love. Now, forbidden love. That could mean a lot of different things. That's that's a lot of different things. It is not necessarily taboo love. That is different. Okay. Forbidden love is is Romeo and Juliet. Right. It is um, where it's being forbidden by external and not moral circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. So taboo is is moral circumstances. So like incestuous. Yeah. You know, incest is the number one. You know, step siblings is it walks the line into taboo, but Mm -hmm. technically speaking is not. However, it could be either taboo or it could be forbidden love Mm -hmm. you know that's one that walks definitely walks that line and forbidden love yeah is is a lot of different things and the enemies to lovers and friends to lovers this is not necessarily a straight line sometimes Mm -hmm. it goes from friends to lovers to enemies back to lovers (laughs) you know right or or uh, you know or enemies to friends to lovers exactly but that's those two are probably the most popular because they're the most easily recognizable and they're the most easily identified. You know, you you know people in your own life who were who started out as friends and then became lovers. Right. I mean, it also gives them reasons for proximity. Mm-hmm. And so with proximity comes opportunity. Yeah. Well, and then, of course, there's forced proximity, which is a whole other trope. Right. Forced proximity is is things only like... Only one bed. Know, <laughs> only one bed, which kind of is a sub-trope. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, only one bed. 
they're they're stranded only one in room. a cabin. Yeah, uh, only one room. They're stranded in a cabin. They can't leave. You know, but forced involuntary is, car trip. <laughs> yeah, you are restricted by your surroundings in mm-hmm. some way, and that's forced proximity. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you know, you have to work together on this event, and and you guys are in a closed room together for you know however long. One of the best uh, forced proximity situations uh, to me is the movie How to Steal a Million. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, it's Peter O'Toole and Audrey Hepburn. It's brilliant. And they are forced to be together in a closet because there's a security guard walk- uh, wandering around this museum that if they catch them, if he catches them, they're they're both in a lot of trouble. Yeah. So they are forced to stay in this very tiny little closet. Um, and at first and, it's far too small and then it's and it, yeah, yeah, it's and then and then suddenly it it's changes. not small enough. <laughs> it's not small enough. And yeah, so this is this is one of the classic examples of forced yeah. proximity. That's brilliant. Um, I love that movie. Forced proximity is actually one of my favorite tropes. Usually, you know, the stranded in the cabins uh, sure. ones are, <laughs> are a lot a lot of my favorites. And the tropes all go together. You know, mm-hmm. they can they you can have multiple tropes in a single book, but that's true of all fiction, really. Yeah. But romance novels particularly love to use multiple tropes in the same book. Sure. So you can have enemies to lovers and enforced proximity and which, you know, that's how they get from them and enemies to lovers if they're, right. you know, stuck together long enough and they have to or they, you know, they're 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 trapped and they have to work together to get out of the whatever situation that they're in. Yeah. And, oh, you know, suddenly suddenly they realize that there's something redeemable about them that they thought that they were just or maybe know, they misunderstood <laughs> yeah they misunderstood their motivations or yes, their backstory yes. or yeah and then we get to the plot device of miscommunication suddenly when you're in forced proximity the miscommunication falls away because you have to communicate with each other in order for things to happen and you cannot assume stuff yeah miscommunication is so common a plot device that it's in pretty much everything and and it's cliche it's cliche it is cliche but that is a plot device i for one would like to see something where there's absolutely no miscommunication where everybody just says what they what they think whenever they think it santa (laughs) yeah i don't know that we would have books then right that's a good point yeah I, what I mean, were you but, thinking <laughs> well i mean it would be an interesting challenge or it would be an incredibly dull book either one i don't know uh, yeah i i don't think it could be anything in the middle you know but yes okay so writers if you want to take up this challenge do it i will volunteer myself to read it whether it is hey i i read whatever it, she tells me to so i'll read it so, too you know yeah is this would be um a very interesting Give me something where miscommunication is not a thing. Okay. Where they communicate perfectly, but there's still conflict. This is the ultimate writer's prompt. Right. So do it. Okay, authors. Make it happen. Accept the challenge. <laughs> With the, you know, the crossovers, I mean, there's the best friend's brother or sister. So that's skirting the forbidden love line. It's not, it, these are not, not so much it, forbidden as they are. Yeah, but it does dance there. 
but these are not so much forbidden as as tacky what <laughs> yeah there there are rules you know two guys are best friends and have been best friends since third grade and rule one of you know the bro code you don't date my sister right so uh, you know and then but then some situation happens where they end up dating the sister <laughs> mm-hmm. and then of course they've got to hide that and then there's miscommunications and all of the of know, course things that happen always second chance second chance romances are another one of my favorites this could be where they have dated at one point and then were separated by whatever mm-hmm. and then they have another opportunity to be together there is a Lauren Blakely book called Satisfaction Guaranteed. Okay. In the book, the guy is a veterinarian, and mm-hmm. there's also several other tropes that happen in this book. But at this point, I feel like the guy is a veterinarian is almost a trope. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's there are romances by profession. Yeah. <laughs> you get into things like the sports romances, which is a, a subgenre at this uh-huh. point. Billionaire romance is a subgenre, but it's also a trope uh, where, you know, you have the billionaires or the rock star or, yeah. NASCAR romances are a thing. Yeah. So <laughs> if you have, for the sports romance, mm-hmm. there aren't a lot of, I will say that there aren't a lot of basketball. There needs to be more basketball romances, folks. And most of them, the characters are BIPOC. Yes, there are a lot of NBA players who are people of color, uh, WNBA players who are people of color, but that isn't all of them. More, uh, more but basketball. More of those cases. stories need to be told anyway. So, oh yes, oh yes, they absolutely need to be told. But there's also uh, hockey romances are really popular, and and I find it interesting that they may not be interested. You may not be interested in the sport that is is part of the book but you're really interested in seeing the players you know the, for whatever celebrity status they have mm-hmm. hockey is a hockey is a big one baseball football i haven't seen a whole lot of soccer or, or soccer it's european football. football actually it's football in everywhere in the world except for in the united states and the united states calls you know the ball that barely gets touched with the feet football yeah. <laughs> and only and only by one player by the way you know right uh, i mean it it it's like they have a kicker that's right. that is that is his whole job is is to be that i mean you, but, yeah, call, it, you so, could um, call it tackle ball but then you know that's rugby rugby, prop, rugby <laughs> earns that even more I, and, I, I, have, and, I have opinions about football that are probably unpopular so <laughs> Well, but there are quite a few of American football romances. I haven't seen a whole lot of worldwide football soccer romances. So, uh, listeners, send us send us your recs for those because uh, uh, recommendations for those. I would love to. I would actually love to read more of that. Apart from maybe uh, Ted Lasso fan fiction, I don't know that there's a whole <laughs> lot of there's a whole lot of soccer romances. You know, hockey is is probably the most popular right now. Okay. That's interesting because hockey as a sport, not overly popular. I mean, it is no, and, popular, and, but not like like football or yeah, baseball. And those, and those that are, those that read hockey romances, for the most part, aren't actually hockey fans. 
They just like to read the books. That is interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the sports romances, big, big thing. Uh, and that is its own subgenre at this point. I mean, when you when you take it from just being a trope to to uh, its entire cottage industry, mm-hmm. you have graduated from trope to subgenre. I see. Uh, at least as, as as far as I'm concerned, you know. Well, you uh, know, you're my come authority at me if on you, this. Come uh, come at me, uh, <laughs> social media, if you think I'm I'll buy it. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the second chance romance is something that I you know enjoy that if you come back to you come back to this relationship and you and you basically answer the question of what if mm-hmm. you know what if we had done things differently what if we had met in a different time in our lives mm-hmm. also the second uh, within the second chance uh romance trope is the the exes you know mm-hmm. when you have when you have people of uh, who have divorced and are rebuilding their relationship and reestablishing it because that's what happens after the happily ever after. Mm-hmm. You know, their first happily ever after fell apart. Mm-hmm. How do they get back to happily ever after? Right. That's the second chance romance. Right. And then you have the, the fake relationships. Okay. Marriage of convenience kind of goes into this, but it's its, its own thing. Yeah. Um, because marriage of convenience or marriage of uh, arrangement. Right. Um, like a green to, card kind of deal. Uh, yeah. Like the green card um, marriage of convenience. If someone who is stands to inherit and the only mm-hmm. way that you're going to inherit is is by is by marrying by this particular age. What an um, archaic sort of thing to put into any kind of inheritance into a will or something well, like that. Well, yeah. Uh, I uh, mean, this is, uh, um, the, the arranged marriage is, is very popular in, uh, and a well-used trope in historicals. Yeah. Because there is historical. Sure. In, there is some historical precedent for that kind of thing. Yes. Um, I definitely wouldn't love that in a contemporary setting. I guess there are some cultural exceptions to that. Um, still mm. don't love it, but it's, you know, being sensitive to other cultures, understand that that might be a thing that would resonate. So fake relationship, uh, whether whether it's an actual marriage or they're just fake dating mm-hmm. um, is kind of the I would consider it to be the contemporary answer to the arranged marriage. OK, there is still marriage of convenience in contemporary um, and there is still. Uh, you know the the inheritance that comes into it. There's but there's lots of other reasons, sure, uh, for the fake relationship, um, and usually involves. Um, I need a date to the wedding. I need a date to the wedding. I need a family. You know, f- you know, family obligations. Get my family off my back. You know, right. the, All of those, all of those kind of go into it. Then there's the you know, once you actually get to that wedding, mm-hmm. um, you know, then, then there's the, the wedding ones, you know, where, where you're left at the altar or you're right. really in love with the best man or, right. You know, things work out and you get the happily ever after. Right. Uh, and then, and then of course there's the, 
short term what I call the short term tropes like like the holiday fling or you know mm-hmm. the summer the summer we have together and right um, and and uh, fake dating can go into this too uh, sure. fake dating and and uh, you know fake marriage uh, engagement whatever go go into this uh, work well with this trope because there um, there's a time limit. Mm-hmm. and and you know you're going to nobody's going to catch feelings in three months you know right and, and right i'll be fine and and you've got the length of a summer and so then there's the uh small town romance which i consider i consider a subgenre okay uh, rather than rather than a trope right um yeah i think I, it has I, it has definitely it has, graduated it has to promoted. that yeah, yeah it has been promoted uh, and this is thanks to the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> uh-huh. I I will take a Hallmark Channel Christmas movies as as the reason that small town romance has gone from you know uh, from a trope to a, a subgenre. Uh, just for that, just for that alone, you know, you go, you get the 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 big city girl who goes to the small town for whatever reason. Either she's going back home or yeah. has to deal with something, and then oh look, she's left her her big city billionaire boyfriend, and instead is falling for the her hot high school sweetheart, uh, yeah. sweetheart, uh, hot carpenter slash hot fireman. Right. Oh yeah. gosh, oh f- yeah. So going back to the pro- professional tropes for a minute, uh, or tropes by profession, I should say. Then you've got, you know, so you've got the billionaires, you've got the firemen, you've got the sports, uh, you know, the sports stars, you've got... Carpenters, apparently. Yeah. Hey, that's, uh, I mean, and, oh, yeah, so that's another one where there's a lot of crossover of profession. Uh So the professor, college student. This one is... That's potentially problematic. Yeah. It's it's it has the potential to be forbidden romance. Uh-huh. It has the potential to be um uh yeah, potential uh, potentially Potentially taboo. the power dynamics in that are kind of uh, sketchy. Yeah. 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 And and it and but it is it is used um quite uh quite a lot. So there's um one that I recently finished it's called forbidden mm-hmm. um and in it's narrated by uh samantha brentmore and uh marcio catalano that it is a uh, russian mob romance it's also it's also a private investigator and um the male main character is a professor and the it is a professor student relationship but mm-hmm. it's not because she is only posing as a student. Oh, uh, okay. So she um you know, but there is that whole portion of it where like never been kissed, has... but maybe less icky, hopefully. It, it, yes, yes, much less. Um it, there because there's you know so many other elements going on. So yeah. she is um posing as a student to get close to him. Uh-huh. And um, not knowing that that she's going to end up with this relationship, but just hoping to get close to him to get information that he has mm-hmm. from his side of it, because he only knows her as a student. Now we enter into the 
you know, here is the problematic, you know, uh, student teacher thing. Right. Um, and, and, you know, it's, yes, it's college student and professor, so everybody's adults, but it's still, uh, you know, it, it, that's also goes into the same place as office place romance. Yes. Because there's so many variables you know there's so much potential for uh difficult situations and Mm -hmm. a plot device that's used here often is the ceo changing the rules yeah you know where where it works you know suddenly suddenly office place romances are fine even though they were written into the employer manual as being as being forbidden or being there's you kind know, of a reason not allowed. for that. There's kind of a reason for that. Hello, sexual harassment lawsuits. Right. But you know, suddenly suddenly the CEO has rewritten the rules and it's fine that he can, you know, totally date and marry his assistant. Right. Um, <laughs> which um sometimes yeah, and and it's so you know, with any of these tropes, it's not that these that uh, with the forbidden relationships it's not that they're automatically not going to work out Mm -hmm. it's because there have been enough that didn't or that ended in some sort of disastrous end that 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 there are policies (laughs) there are policies and then that's why they're forbidden right so in those circumstances those are also likely catalyst for relationships to begin because you're talking about having very intense time in your life and you're talking about having a meeting of the minds you're talking about having you know connections to some part of your humanity with each other and and that's where where some of that that attraction comes from and so you're you're going to end up with that a lot of you know maybe not all the time but certainly some of the time uh, but there have to be safeguards to prevent legal action exactly and and this is why within within the structure of of our podcast uh why i give Zana certain books to read and not others uh and there yeah, are a lot of I'll books that I, I know you will but i also do want you to enjoy them i appreciate that and so, for example, there's one that I recently uh, read that I really enjoyed, but I'm not really sure that Xana would, so uh, she's not being recommended that, and that's uh, Highest Bitter by Sarah Kate, and it's a 35-year age gap. Um, it's a billionaire romance. It's also a, a BDSM romance because there's uh, he is... The uh, male main character, Ronan, is a pleasure dom, okay. uh, which means that he um, he controls the sub's pleasure. And mm-hmm. when when they reach climax, when they um, you know how they how they a- achieve orgasm, all of that sort of stuff, that is that is what a pleasure dom does. Um, and BDSM romances are uh, also I would consider a subgenre because you can have the romance and not have it be erotica. Right. You know, you have, you have certain situations and scenes and, um, and consent, you know, and all of that 
is put within the structure of a story, but mm-hmm. it is not the entire story. Erotica yeah. is when it's the entire story. Right. There is there is porn without plot, as you know, as it's as it said. PWP. In, PWP. Um, that is erotica, and mm-hmm. erotica has and erotica has its place, mm-hmm. but it is erotica is not the same as romance. No. So as we said, there is there are going to be a lot of tropes in here that we mm-hmm. don't get a chance to talk about. I do want to go back to one thing very quickly, and that is the secret identity. Mm-hmm. The secret identity trope comes into the two person love triangle is part of the secret identity. Uh, because the two person love triangle for anybody love, who's love going, triangle is another one of those um... is exactly. But the two person love triangle the classic example of this is Superman. Right. Superman, Clark Kent, and Lois Lane. Exactly. Yeah. So you have the love triangle, but not really. Right. And if they would only communicate. <laughs> if they would only communicate, right? I want to take a step back and issue an apology to Joe Arden. Because the secret identity trope was really what he was going for within the chameleon effect. And not the lie which is a plot device lying Should about be fair though it was something. a little bit of both <laughs> it's a little bit of both but it did start off as being right the secret identity trope right because joe arden is a man with a secret identity right so you know it fit however yes there is still the miscommunication and the lie so he's he is answerable for that mm-hmm. <laughs> but to to place it where it was intended to be it goes within the secret identity trope. Um, That's there's fair. also there's also the so some of the other favorites of mine. There's the grumpy sunshine. Mm-hmm. The grumpy sunshine is where one character is is you know grumpy, doesn't hates the world, whatever, and they meet up with the um, the person who is sweetness and light. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, this is this is the cinnamon roll hair, uh, 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 hero. This is the, um, you know, maybe a little more Pollyanna, but not always. Mm-hmm. She doesn't, it, you know, the, 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 ma- the main character does not have to be Pollyanna in order to be sunshine. Unfortunately, it can also be like the manic pixie dream girl. Yes, the manic pixie yeah. dream girl. Um, you know, the... Um, the Mary Sue, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's that is all comes into this as well. However, the Grumpy Sunshine also works within mafia romances mm. because you have if you have a character, particularly a male uh, main character who's usually an alpha. Mm-hmm. This was explained to me recently in something that that I uh, really made me rethink this all. If you have a male main character who is the hero mm-hmm. and and the virtuous hero the virtuous hero wants to save the world okay the morally gray you know that can be a mafia boss you know the the head of a motorcycle club a criminal whatever the morally gray main char- male main character will burn the world down for the woman he loves mm. that then is the decision of the reader on what is most attractive right. Sort you of know. the people thinking uh, oh, tribally versus people thinking globally. So exactly, and you know who who what does your book boyfriend look like? You know, it's it is it. Does he want to save the world, 
or will he burn the world to save you? It, it changed how I thought about dark romances and mafia romances. And that's fair. It made it it made it more interesting for me to read coming from that perspective. That's fair, and 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 that that will probably help me moving forward as well. However, my initial reaction is put down the damn match, but. Um, <laughs> Well, you know, if you're coming from a place of the the world is awful, yeah. that is your base thought, you know, your yeah. first thought when you get up in the morning is the world is awful, to then find the love of your life, your right. or your soulmate, which is another trope, you know, then you will do anything to keep that one light shining. True. And we we spoke um we were when we were at Readers Take Denver, there was a panel discussion about about this and that the in order for that to work within, you know, say a mafia romance or a, or a motorcycle club romance, then the the heroine has to be the sunshine here. Right. The, the, the female main character has to be the sunshine. She has to be in the male main character's eyes perfect Uh she has to be the light to his darkness that's that's the important dynamic that needs to that needs to be in place for that to work you know yes there there are lots of other tropes and of course we couldn't get through all of them and i am and i will apologize again if we forgot any of your favorites or if i had Um, to cut them (laughs) <laughs> or if we had or if we had to cut them and we did actually talk about them, please visit our website, cupandsaucybooks.com for links and show notes. You can also follow us on social media at Cup and Saucy Books. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We are also on Twitter as Cup N, the letter N, Saucy Books. Let us know if you have a book or books you would like us to read on the show. Thank you for joining us for the Cup and Saucy Book Club. Join us next time for Xana's review of whatever it is I made her read. And probably a few tangents. Happy reading. Cheers. Cheers.